0: listening to Laker Learning. I'm your host, Dr. Jason Lee Guthrie. On this podcast, you'll hear from my colleagues in the College of Arts and Sciences at Clayton State University. They'll be sharing their creative teaching strategies to inform and inspire your own classroom practice. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Virginia Bonner. Professor of Film Studies in the Department of Visual and Performing Arts. Virginia is going to share about pedagogical strategies she's used to decenter whiteness in her History of Cinema class. Virginia, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here.
0: So you've been a fellow for a program at the university called the Intensive Colloquium on Inclusive Education, better known around campus as ICE. And your experience with ICE is a big part of what's led you to develop these pedagogical strategies. So why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about your experience with ICE.
1: Yeah, so the ICE Colloquium was a five-year program that hence the intensive part of, of the title that really strives to consider Clayton State's very diverse student population. And um, to prepare faculty fellows to be more aware of our experiences with privilege and oppression and to listen a lot more uh, more effectively to the experiences of others, especially our students, and to develop and enhance our own um, teaching practice around diversity and inclusion. So one of the things that they focused on is the concept of decentering whiteness, where so much of the canon that we teach across many disciplines is white centered, centered on whiteness, white stories, white experiences, white faces. And so, in my history of cinema class, one of the things that I decided to do was to change the teaching of a very, very famous filmmaker from early cinema called D.W. Griffith. Um, He is quite renowned for inventing any number of editing techniques, especially that we still use today, like cross-cutting. So some people lobby for very good reasons to still continue to teach him, and we do. But he is also one of the most racist directors ever, and that is saying something since there are quite a lot of racist directors out there. So he's famous, he's most famous for this film that he created called The Birth of a Nation. And that is a foundational film because of all of the innovations that he did with it. Um, It is a four-hour epic film. And it's an adaptation of a novel called The Klansman. And it basically asserts that the KKK saved the South over this four-hour epic film. I decided to not teach that film anymore. <laughs> um, obviously, there are references to it, and I can show clips from it, but to require students to watch that in full, especially in light of our student body, which is what, 82% non-white, um, it it inflicts the kind of repeated trauma. Um, there is a a responsibility to de-center that focus on this very racist text that was so celebrated at the time, in fact, that um, Woodrow Wilson showed it in the White House and famously praised it as being um, history written in lightning. So there's all of this celebration of this incredibly racist text, and I didn't want to continue to center that. So I switched it out with a film called um, Body and Soul by another very famous filmmaker, though nowhere near as famous in the history books as D.W. Griffith. His name is Oscar Michaud, and he is quite a renowned African-American filmmaker, early, at the very same time, and in fact, a lot of his films were in dialogue with this early uh, filmmaker, D.W. Griffith, and Birth of a Nation in particular. So changing that to focus more on an African-American experience, particularly a challenge to the kind of racist texts that D.W. Griffith was promoting and distributing at the time, um, I, I think has been a very good change. There's been a real positive impact there.
0: So you touch on something I'd like to talk a little bit more about, this idea of a dominant history or like a standard historical narrative. With film, you know, we're talking about a medium that's only 125 years old, give or take, but these stories that we tell ourselves, right, these origin myths develop really quickly. So what has it been like to push back against that dominant historical narrative with this idea of decentering whiteness.
1: It's an interesting process, both personally and professionally. Um, there there are, you know, the, the, his, the history books are written by and about, generally speaking, um, white people and particularly white men. So... Anyone who doesn't fit that category, and usually middle class as well, and heterosexual, um, is usually quite ostracized from from the history texts. So to include that, some who are quite wedded to that particular version of history and how can you not teach this film can be quite professionally challenging. I believe in it enough, um, especially after this training in but. Also, um in my own um educational training before that, my doctorate is not only in film studies, but it's also in women's studies, for example. And um that's a important foundation for the training that I got in IC that enabled me more personally and professionally both to be able to stand by that challenge and to diversify the canon and show that there there is a much wider range of film that's been made over these last 120 years or so that was intentionally excluded from the history books um, overlooked as not representing the author and therefore not important but of course the more you diversify those authors voices which includes of course those of us curating which films to teach in a class um, the more diverse that canon becomes
0: I really like that as an example of the way that historical narratives can change over time and the way that changes in culture can affect the way that we understand history. Of course, this specific instance of film, you know, film is such a powerful cultural change agent. Um, But I would like to hear a little bit more about the student perspective, right? Because for many of our students, at least our traditional college age students, Um, You know, culture changes very quickly for them. It's very immediate, more immediate than ever uh, because of social media and these kinds of things. And so sometimes I think they can be, uh, you know, a little confused when the culture of a classroom, the culture in a historical textbook doesn't change as quickly Uh, or keep up with the times, I guess, so to say. Um, So what has been the student feedback in your experience on implementing some of these strategies to better reflect their worldview and their culture?
1: It's been very positive, and especially at a school like Clayton State University that has such a diverse student body, that to continue to teach the – what – Bell Hooks famously calls the the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, um, and to to show only examples from that, whether it be in a film class of my, like my own, or in a literature class, or um, any theoretical text that we teach. In film, a short version of, of a short way of saying that might be that we all want to see ourselves on screen, and we identify so much when we do, uh, so much more when we do. So if we're constantly only showing the white supremacist capitalist patriarchy, then that excludes, well, the global majority, really. So diversifying that canon makes for a really positive impact on the student body. They're much more engaged in class discussions, they have more to say, and they they remember better. So that, that recall is one of the reasons that we're doing what we do in front of that classroom.
0: So you've seen not only emotional responses from students, I guess what most would call like a qualitative response, but you've actually seen quantifiable improvement in student success through implementing these strategies.
1: Yes, um, I would value the qualitative first, though I know there are some who do value the quantitative more, but it, it translates, right? I mean, if you have that qualitative learning, it will translate into quantitative scores as well, because when it comes time for a recall on a test or what have you, they've got it. They remember that example. They remember that film in a way that, you know, the blur of the white cannon might not resonate as strongly.
0: So how have you applied these strategies in other areas? Uh, to other courses you teach, to your scholarship, to your service, you know—is this something that's just a strategy for the classroom, or is this a fundamental paradigm shift in the way that we think about the subjects that we teach?
1: Yeah, um, it is both. It is there are other classes that I have um, tried to decenter whiteness more consciously. Um, My Intro to Film is a a good example of that, where at midterm, as a way to review for the midterm exam, we usually analyze one film in full that incorporates all of the week's study that we have built up to that point. Week by week, we'll look at camera work and editing and sound and narrative. We do it all inclusively in one film. And for years, I used to teach a film called Amélie, which is a French film with a female lead, and it, it's sort of a lighthearted, romantic comedy, fun film, and students engaged with it and enjoyed it, and I, I liked that it was an international film, and I liked that it had a female lead, but it's a white female lead, and especially at a student body that has, particularly, I think it's 64% African-American student population and, again, an 82% non-white population. It is. I, I wanted to diversify that a little more in, in this film that we're really intensively getting into. Um, I have sin- more recently switched it out to Jordan Peele's film, Get Out, which is a very bold film to do there and that it's, it's a, um, an incredibly strident statement against American racism in particular. And students respond to it quite strongly and that it has I have seen both qualitative and quantitative results as a ch- result of that change in the film. And then yes, to the second part of your question, it is also a major change or a major, Increase, I should say, again, that, that women's studies training um, was a foundation that all of my work had already focused on gender and race and class and sexuality analysis in cinema, but to really elevate that further in my service, which, again, I had already been working in um, DEI work, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion work, but um, have branched out, have helped to create some additional committees on on campus, have helped to create some protests, and to make some policy changes as well through my service. And then IC also inspired me to branch out a little more in some of my scholarship. Um, All of my writing had already researched, analyzed films in terms of race, class, gender, sexuality, ability, etc. But I started writing a little bit more about pedagogy and the teaching of film since the intensive colloquium colloquium on inclusive education um, really does focus on the pedagogy itself. And so some of the challenges that I've experienced in teaching certain films or in some of the... um, delights that I've had in teaching other films. Uh, those have been some really productive articles to help me think through my own pedagogy, and hopefully others as well, by publishing them out there in the field.
0: I can actually attest to the benefits of IC as well. Um, I'm a professor of communication and media studies. We, of course, teach many sections of public speaking uh, every semester. That's uh, a really commonly taken course on campus. And we actually were revisiting that curriculum. And one of the ways that we incorporated this idea of decentering whiteness was in the example speeches that we use to, you know, just show students like what good public speaking looks like and to try to make sure that there is a representative balance of racial background, that at least half of the speakers are women. Um, we included an example of a speaker with a disability that's using assistive technology to speak effectively. So you know, just really appreciate all that you and the the other members of the IC Colloquium have done to bring these strategies to the wider campus body.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. That feedback is wonderful to hear. The workshops that IC has led over the last couple of years um, have been sort of the culmination of that five years of work that we did together. So I'm thrilled to hear that it's enabled you both personally and as your entire major to help do some structural change there. That's the goal. That's great.
0: Thanks so much for sharing with us today.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to Laker Learning. I've been speaking today with Dr. Virginia Bonner, Professor of Film Studies in the Department of Visual and Performing Arts.